Welcome to the Kingdom Hour, where we are sharing real-life stories that are geared to impact and empower you in mind, spirit, body, and soul. Join us each week as our guests share wonderful stories about how they overcame. Well, good afternoon, everyone. This is Dr. Donna Ganny. I'm joined here with a, a special guest um, in that uh, he has a very awesome story to tell the body of Christ, and he's going to share with the body of Christ about discipleship, the mandate that God has given us. And um, I think uh, most of everyone out there should need, want to know about that, if you're a believer or of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, it's it's a mandate for you to know about it. So, uh, without further ado, I want to introduce to you Peter Jarrett. Welcome to the Kingdom Hour, Peter. Thank you very much, Doctor Ganny. And how are you today? I am doing very good by the grace of God, and um, I'm happy to have you here with us. And, and it's an honor for me to be with you as well. I'm looking forward to sharing some uh, some awesome testimony about what God has done. And and he has done a great work, and he always do for all of us. Um, so Amen. please share with us, please share with us uh, about how, um, what inspired you, first of all, to write the, the discipleship mandate? <clears throat> it's uh, It's been a very much a, a labor of love. Uh, when I first got saved, and we can talk a little bit in a in a moment about my testimony. I was a former drug dealer, drug abuser, and alcoholic in, in New York City. When God saved me, um, I went to a, a Baptist church in New York City, and I had the absolute joy and privilege of sitting under a pastor who really took me under his wing. And um, every night I would read my Bible, and I would go to work early the next morning, and I would call him, and we would talk for about a half an hour every morning about all the questions that I had. And he would be very patient and, and uh, um, just diligent in answering my questions. And what happened over six, nine months and a year is there became fewer and fewer questions and more and more of my observations about what I was seeing, and I was beginning to put more and more pieces together. And God really showed me that that's ultimately that's the process. Um, it, it certainly discipleship is not limited to Bible reading, but I think scripture taking in the word of God is central to that. And uh, through that process, I God really worked in me a, a heart for discipleship. And uh, while I certainly don't want to be critical and I don't in any sense want to be negative, um, I haven't seen that same type of dynamic played out in in the other churches uh, that I've attended. There just seems to be a uh, a lessening of the importance of um, mature men and women working with either new converts or the people who haven't matured yet, working with them on a one-on-one -on -one basis um, to, to help them mature. So uh, I started writing down my thoughts. Um, I began discipling a, a group of people uh, in one-on-one -on -one settings. And uh, then uh, one December, God told me flat out, quit your job. I want you to write your book on discipleship. 
<laughs> and that was an interesting day. Let me let me tell you. And uh, for about two weeks, I I constantly went to him in prayer and asked him, "Are you sure about this? I mean, is is this what what you're telling me to do?" And after two weeks, he finally answered me. Now it wasn't audible. I'm not I'm not schizophrenic. I'm not hearing voices. But it might as well have been as powerful as it was. And uh, the answer came back, Pete, we've been over this. Quit your job and write the book. And I did. And uh, uh, the, the, the outcome of that was uh, discipleship, the mandate of God. Wow. Yeah, it's kind of interesting that you say that, you, you know, you didn't have, it wasn't like you were having any uh, psychiatric problem. You were actually hearing it and getting the inspiration to write the book. But as you know, a lot of people don't believe that um, you can actually hear from God in this hour. But um, there are some that do, of course. But there's a lot of people that don't believe that anyone can hear from God in this hour. Um, I don't want to stay there because that's another topic. But um, <laughs> let's, uh, can, can, can I make? Can, may I make yes, one com- Can I make one comment on that? John ten, Absolutely. Jesus says. John ten says. Jesus tells us that my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they know me. And, and I'm certainly not here. My my point is not at all to criticize or to throw stones. That's, that's not my point. I think we should be having unity at the same point. I think when we're not hearing from God, um, Mm -hmm. I I think something is going on that there might be an (laughs) issue with the relationship and that's, uh, we'll leave it at that. And we can, you can do that on another show. No, 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 I absolutely, I totally agree with you because um, there has to be a lack of intimacy because Jesus himself said, and uh, as you know, in John chapter 7, he said, I, when he says that um, I never knew you, um, there there has to have been something that severed the relationship because obviously they had gifts and they had, you know, they were functioning but they didn't have a relationship with God in which that is so important. And in the part of the discipleship that you brought out, you said that he took, basically took your hand and uh, walked you through, through with you reading the Bible and giving you insights in areas that you needed, uh, needed it at. And obviously you felt comfortable with, uh, the person who was discipling you, uh, that you were willing to say, well, I don't quite understand this. I understand that. And and so let's talk a little bit more. But before we go there, tell us a little bit more about your testimony about coming out of, um, you know, the selling of drugs and also to um, taking the, the drugs and alcohol, uh, having an addiction, and then overcoming it. Let's talk about that a little bit. Absolutely. Um, I, I think um, while my conversion was very, very close to, to like Paul's conversion, it was instant, and I wasn't expecting it, wasn't looking for it. It wasn't a, a slow, gradual process. So while it was dramatic, I think that um, – Hopefully, many of your of your listeners um, can relate to the fact that there was a huge hole in in my life, and there was no purpose, there was no meaning, 
and I drifted from from various activity to various activity, vainly attempting to fill the hole that was in in my heart and in my life. And mm-hmm. uh, um, drugs were were um, basically an attempt to to numb the pain um, that that I knew. I, I I felt there was more to life. I just didn't didn't know where to go. Didn't know how to find it. And uh, certainly was. Uh, had no interest in in a relationship with any type of God that would require something of me, and and uh, so God wasn't wasn't at all on the radar, and uh, my conversion came when I was washing dishes one day, and if you talk to my wife, that's how you know it was a, a miraculous work of God because I was doing the dishes. She said that in and of itself is a work of God, but uh, I, I was washing dishes. My life had collapsed around me. Um, I wasn't able to hold a job. Um, I was very angry, um, very just mean-spirited, um, just nasty. Um, my interpersonal relationships were all falling apart around me. And not knowing at all who God was, I called out to him and I said, listen, everything that I've ever done is, has ended up in absolute disaster. I don't know who you are. I, I don't know, you know what this whole God thing is about. But... I'm here to tell you, you've got control and and take over because ultimately everything I do ends up in disaster. And there are a lot of people that will spend a ton of time trying to figure out if that's the moment of salvation or um, God led me to a Baptist church where I heard the gospel um, or whether when I heard the gospels, when I got saved. Um, The more and more I look back on it now, that's 27 years ago, 26 Mm -hmm. years ago. Um, it, it doesn't matter. It, it's I look back on the last twenty some odd years, and and it's been just a wonderful walk with God, and He has confirmed to me mm-hmm. innumerable number of times that I'm His child, and yeah. and I know that I don't I don't deserve it. I didn't earn it. There wasn't. There's nothing in Pete Charette that God somehow needs. You know, boy, the kingdom could really use this, and boy, Pete mm-hmm. got that. Let's save him. No. No, I'm a wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, naked sinner. And through his and, grace and through his mercy, he, he reached down and pulled me out of the muck and mire. And and yeah, a day yeah. doesn't go by where I don't think about that and just, just praise his name for, for what he's done for me. Yeah, that's that's the real stuff. Because when you can say that I'm I'm as filthy as rags, but he, you know, he did it. He, he brought me yeah. out. That's when you know that you you have received that born again um, nature uh, that we we all should strive for. And yeah, um, I, I mean, I was doctor. I was dead. I, I I may have been physically walking around. I may have been physically doing things, but I was dead in my sin and my trespass. And and the center of my life was me. It was all about me all the time. And and the change ultimately that he's wrought is, you know, Paul says in Galatians 2.20, it's not I who lives, it's Christ who lives in me. And it's his life. It's not mine. And, and so that that's uh, ultimately at the core of discipleship is trying to help people to, um, to develop that intimate, close, um, just, just deep abiding relationship with him and uh and then watching god work miracles in people's lives 
and seeing what he can do. Amen. I absolutely, I totally agree with you there. And um, which is, you know, coming to one of the questions I do have for you. And what what is uh, the, that missing component that you have realized of how disciples can be developed in Christ, into Christian maturity? That's a that's an excellent question, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna be diplomatic a little bit. I'm I'm gonna choose two instead of just one, but o- overarchingly, um, I think that there has to be an intentional focus that that's the mission of of church. The mission of church is to produce mature disciples. Um, you know, everybody can probably recall Matthew twenty eight nineteen and twenty. You know, go ye therefore and and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to, baptizing and teaching to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And I think that over time that has kind of morphed into a call for evangelism. And and, uh, my my Mm. personal view, my, my personal view on discipleship is if the church would produce mature disciples, then we wouldn't, evangelism would cease to be an issue. Because if our disciples, if our disciples were mature, by nature they would go out and share with with their friends, their coworkers, their families, you know, their their, their uh, store clerks, their plumbers, their auto mechanics, and and the gospel would would be preached. And I think that where the church over the last thirty years has kind of focused on to an attendance type of, of standard, we want more people. We want to bring in unbelievers mm-hmm. so that they can hear the gospel, it has resulted in in a significant decrease in our discipleship efforts. So that's one aspect is the just choosing an intentional focus that that's what our DNA is. That's not something mm-hmm. we do. That's who we are. We make disciples. And then the second is, um, is a focus on a one-on-one relationship. I, I don't think that's the only way to make disciples and I'm um my book certainly doesn't doesn't present um the framework that I've written as the only way. It's either this way or the highway. It's not that at all. But I think um there are so many challenges when we try to disciple people in in groups and mm-hmm. people have different different levels of learning, different levels of starting maturity. Um, they mm-hmm. will struggle with certain things and not struggle with other things. And, and it just becomes difficult when, when yeah. a mature man or woman comes alongside um, uh, a learning disciple, puts their mm-hmm. arm on their shoulder and says, listen, th- this, this is what God has shown me. This is what I've learned over my walk. These are the, the things that, that you can expect to encounter. And then we work through prayer, Bible reading, fellowshipping. Um, yeah. gathering with, with other light believers, evangelizing. And we, we show them how those things are done um, on a one-on-one basis. I think it's a very, very powerful dynamic. And I, I don't see a, a, a lot of that occurring today uh, in our churches. Absolutely. I agree. Um, I, but we know that, you know, both of our, us are discussing this because we're we're hoping that change will come forth, especially uh, in this kingdom hour, because I believe it's important for the kingdom of God or the reign of God to increase in the earth 
that many more people can be have the opportunity of being saved um, because, after all, we're here to bring people into salvation, that they can fulfill the same great commission that we are called to do. Um, and I think you probably amen. touched a little bit. Amen. I think you probably touched on this a little bit, though, but I, I want to ask you the question about the foundational concepts of uh, discipleship uh, in case there's someone out there that may be listening that, that's a leader in, in one of the uh, church environments, um, what are some of those foundational concepts that you would suggest? Uh, as I said, I believe you touched a little bit on it just a few minutes ago. Um, I, I'll tell you the, the story. Um, I was discipling um, a gentleman at church, and uh, um, he had no formal uh, theological training, but had been made um, the leader of our church youth group. And and wow. he was a godly man, um, was a godly mm-hmm. man, and but but had no formal training. And so mm-hmm. I asked him if I could if I could disciple him. And we started meeting um, ninety minutes once a week, very similar format to what I present in the book. And mm-hmm. uh, in our in our study of Ephesians, one day I I. I I've read it probably 30 times in my life, and this time mm-hmm. it stuck out and, and, and hit me like a ton of bricks. And it's Ephesians mm-hmm. 3.10. And in discussing mm-hmm. the purpose of church, God, uh, Paul writes this, and he says, it was his intent, God's intent, that now through the church, the, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. It literally hit me like a ton of bricks and and has been a driving force. I think that that foundationally we don't in too many cases we don't know what the purpose of church is. Why did God bring Jews and Gentiles together? Why does God bring bring people of different backgrounds and different skill sets etc.? Why does he bring them together to form his church? And he does that so that his wisdom would be made known to all of creation, both all the physical and the spiritual realm. Yeah, And that's my yeah. job. That's my job is to live mm-hmm. my life in a manner that God can point to me and say, look at, look at what I've done. Because I'm going to tell you, doctor, it certainly isn't anything I'm doing. Okay. If, if my spiritual relationship with God hinges um, primarily on my work and my efforts, it'll fail. I mean, that, that's, that's what I am. Right outside of outside of Christ. Um so when I saw that it really drove me um to to um teach that basic that basic foundational principle and and try to share that with as many people um as many people as possible. If we don't grasp God's purpose for the church, then mm-hmm. then we're going to we're going to engage in activities that that may be um I don't want to say outside his purpose, but they're not the foundational purpose. And then right. um from from there, um it was a natural um following of the rest of the book of Ephesians that if we're going to live our lives in a manner that reveals God's wisdom, then then I need to have such a deep and intimate and personal relationship with him that he can live life through me, that it is his yeah. life. And yeah. and that will then result in the conduct changes um, that the rest of Ephesians 4, 5, and 6 tell us should mark our lives. 
Wow. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with you because when Jesus was on the earth himself, he 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 made it very um, clear on many occasions that this is the kingdom of darkness and this is the kingdom of God. And I believe that um, as Paul is saying that too as well, because he said, um, I, I just want to back up to verse 7 where he says, Wherefore, I was a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me mm-hmm. by the effect working of his power. And then he says Amen. unto me, who am least the, the the least less than the least of the saints and the and the grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make Amen. all men see what is in the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God who creates all things by Jesus Christ and then I want to repeat what you just said then. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Jesus Christ our Lord. And I'm I'm loving, (laughs) amen, and I'm loving that you brought that out because um, a lot of times the purpose is missed. The, the reason why um, we are called into discipleship, because if that person is reading the word of God and they're lacking, um, you know, insight, even like you said, even we as we're discipling, it's iron begins to sharpen iron. Because, Amen. Uh, and I'm loving this conversation so much. You have to know because that's why I'm jumping in here. Because I'm thinking about how Timothy, you know, uh, Paul started out with uh, Timothy. He says, um, Timothy, my son. Then he gets to a point where he says, Timothy, I want you to go out and evangelize. And then he says, Timothy, my coworker. So it's like, yeah. Okay, so I'm going to let you uh, jump in there, please. Yeah. Well, and I think that, that that's God's program. Excuse me. I think that there is a there is somewhat of a parallel to to the raising of children and and the raising of disciples. I, I don't want to push the parallel too far, but it it's my job as a parent. Um, I have five children, including two sets of twins. Okay. Um, wow. Yeah, oh, it was a <laughs> blessing. Yeah, I had I had five kids in four and a half years. <laughs> we were we were nothing, doctor, if we weren't efficient. <laughs> so uh, so um, but it's my job in, in the raising of them. Um, I, I'm talking in a kind of a secular idea here. It's my job that when they're 18 and and they leave home, that they are equipped to navigate the terrain of of, of the world around them. That that they are good citizens. That that they are. Um, good, good people. Um, that they know how to work hard. They have work ethic. They're they're honest. Um, and, and I'm not specifically talking about raising them in Christ, um, although that certainly plays a huge role in it. But it's my job to get to that point at at age 18 or 17 mm-hmm. or 19, whatever it may be, um, that that they are equipped to stand on their own. And I think yeah. that's God's program. 
for the evangelism of the world is we are to produce mature disciples, work with them. Sometimes it's going to be quicker. Sometimes it's going to be slower. But get them to a point where then they can then go out and take on their own disciple. And then I take on a new disciple, and, and, and the thing expands exponentially. And, and as well, it also takes the, the burden off of just our church leaders and, and our, uh, our church pastors to feel like they've got to do the work. Um, you know, uh, Paul wrote in Ephesians 4, um, he said that he gave us um, prophets, evangelists, um, pastors, and teachers to equip mm-hmm. the saints to do the work of ministry, which is the building up of the body of Christ. The building yeah. up of the body of Christ doesn't just fall on church leadership. Yeah. The person sitting next to me in the pew at church, they can't be everything that they're supposed to be in Christ without our help. And That's I can't right. be what I'm supposed to without other people's help. But but if That's the person right. sitting next to me, or or if I'm sitting around and I never crack my Bible, I never pray, I have no real understanding of who God is and what God um, wants to do for us and in us and through us, then then mm-hmm. of what help am I to that person? So there is a responsibility that we all have, and and mm-hmm. I think that's a huge part of it. So to, to finish this little thread, um, the gentleman that was the youth pastor um, mm-hmm. has since gone on, and he is now small groups pastor at a, at a very large church uh, here wow. in Grand Rapids. And he, mm-hmm. uh, he has a, a real significant ministry encouraging other people and helping his small groups to play more of a, of a discipleship role. And that's, that's, that's very, very exciting for me to watch God work through him. Yes, 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 yes. It is. It really is because um, it's all a part of, like you said, Christian maturity up to the level where Christ wants us to be. Um, You, you know, in your book, you talk about, um, something that you framework coined that you coined as MPF um about a one-on-one mature maturation process yeah. can you talk yeah. a little bit around that mm-hmm. yeah um i have um a background in uh sales management and um one of the things that that i feel very strongly about is when we are undertaking um, various efforts for God that God certainly deserves our very best. And, mm-hmm. and I, I point out several times in the book, the MPF is, is a maturity process framework. It, it is exactly that. It is not an etched in concrete. You have to do it this way, but mm-hmm. it is, it, it's born out of what is it that we want to produce in the lives of, of, of our, our disciples. Well, we want to, we want to, produce people, uh, 2 Timothy 2.15, that know how to rightly handle the word of truth. Um, we want to produce disciples who are humble and, and are given over to God in daily mm-hmm. prayer. Um, we want to produce disciples who are um, aware of the need to gather with other like-minded believers. Um, we are also, we want to produce disciples who are held accountable that it's not just a, you know, go and do this stuff and, and we'll find out if it works at the end. No, we're held accountable. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know the mm-hmm. recent the recent scandals in churches across this country with with mm-hmm. you know with sexual abuse gives me an mm-hmm. indication that accountability needs to be taught. And and yeah. in the book, I, that's one of the things I do. I I ask ten questions when I disciple people. You know, yeah. if it's you know when when I go, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Please continue. I'm listening. Okay. Um, um, you know, um, were you honest in your business dealings at work today, or or mm-hmm. this week? Um, if the person I'm discipling is married, then you know. Were, were you, did you love your wife as Christ loved the church this week? Did you share the mm. gospel with anybody this week? Um, mm. Did you look at anything, anything either in print or on TV or on the internet uh, uh, of, a, of a sexual nature? And, you know, listen, I'm, I'm on it. I'll be straightforward with you. Those are tough questions both to ask and to answer. But yeah. I think that there is a, just a ton of unconfessed, unrepented sin in our lives and and when God doesn't immediately strike us, um, I I think we kind of adapt what uh, what some of the Israelites felt in the days leading up to their exile. It's like ah, oh, we're warm, we're well fed, we have peace and safety. God's God's not concerned with with our idolatry. And then mm-hmm. boom, it, it hit them like a ton of bricks, and they woke up three days later in in uh, you know in uh, exile in Babylon. And yeah. Uh, I think I think that 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 certainly is part of it. So the the framework is designed to just um, it it's not to be rigidly enforced, um, but it is exactly that. It's a framework that if you've never discipled someone and yet you have a heart for discipleship, you don't need to go through a two or three year seminary degree, and you don't have to take all kinds of Bible classes. You can put into place. And you yeah. develop a relationship with another believer that you can help develop some some of these uh, some of these skills in them and and encourage them and and give them your attention and um, listen discipleship's not universal I, I've had discipleships that I've spent a year with and and mm-hmm. at some point after that have drifted away um, I. You know, it it still comes down to an individual's relationship with God. And I don't, yeah. you know, I don't have any ability to change another human being's heart towards God. It's the sovereign work of a sovereign God. Um, but but I, I have so many success stories of, of people that have just flourished and and their relationship with God is just ever growing. And it is one of the most joyful things in my Christian walk is to watch God work in another person's life. Oh, that's that that's joyful. That's exciting. Oh yeah. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. And and you know, um we're talking about this and I, I'm one of those persons that like to kinda create a real scenario to, to look very deep into things, you know. When we talk about mm-hmm. accountability, um, there must be like a mutual trust between uh, the two people or the group of people where they feel comfortable with sharing uh, their confidential information or their their con- confidential relationships that they have outside or uh, you know with their with their wife or with their family and right now um, some environments are su- such as is that people have lost 
that trust. Um, so they're mm-hmm. afraid to share with each other. Uh, how can, uh, if someone was implementing a discipleship program in, inside of a, um, a church environment, how can they build that trust up to where um, the people sitting next to them or, uh, you know, anyone in that environment where they can feel comfortable and trust them to share their information? That That's an excellent question, and, and it brings up um, something that I don't, I don't make a major point of it in the book, um, but it is something that's, that God has developed in me. And that is God is not interested in quick fixes. God has the, the long view in mind and, and has mm-hmm. a bigger picture. So if, yeah. if I were starting, if, if I'm at church and somebody says, hey, I, you know, I hear you, disciple, I, I'd really like to grow in my relationship with God. And I didn't have a, an already existing relationship with that person what i generally do is i sit with them and and just discuss what they're looking for what it is that that i generally do and mm-hmm. the account the accountability can be developed a little bit over time okay now one of them it, one of the aspects is that i need to be prepared to put myself out there okay mm-hmm. and by that i need i need to be prepared to answer those questions I, I just finished a, a second book, and um, in that, um, I talk at length about community. And mm-hmm. one of the things I did was I studied all of the occurrences of the term one another in the New Testament, and I found some yeah. fascinating things. Believers are called by God to confess our sins to one another. Yeah. And, and that really blew me away. And what that does is, one, it keeps me humble. It prevents us from thinking, well, you know, John over there, he's a super Christian. He's got everything figured out, and he's got no struggles. Yeah, until you until you spend some time with him and hear him confess his sins to you, you you'll realize that we're all in the same boat. Um, right. But but to, to directly answer your question, I, I think it, it is something that can be developed. And as relationship is developed, as the discipler, begins to invest in the disciple, that will increase the disciple's confidence in the discipler and, and trust will be developed and, um, and, and thus accountability will grow with that. Um, but, but like I said, it's, it's not something that, you know, you, you have to assume is automatically going to be there from day one. You know, that, that is part of, of the goal is we want mm-hmm. them to develop that and it may take some time. Yes, yes, I agree. It does take time, and and it's a matter of holding hands. And I I know you mentioned in your book also about being prayerful during the process. So um, that's one of the key uh, factors that we have is communicating with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as well. Um, How do you approach, uh, in your book, how do you approach these qualities of discipleship? How, how do you approach it in your book so that um, – uh, go ahead. Well, when you say how do I approach them, you mean how do I present them to people or how do I yeah. live them out in my own life? Um, in your book, I mean, you know, how do you present them to people as far as the qualities of discipleship or okay. – yeah, go ahead. Um, 
Okay, so so uh, as we've already touched on, so I I won't belabor the point, but I, I think teaching people what the purpose of the church is all about, that this is not an option. You don't have an option to not engage in discipleship. I think if if you're steadfastly refusing to to grow in in your relationship with God, then there's a disobedience. It, it's what God's mm-hmm. called us to to do, and as a result. Um, that usually opens people's eyes. I think they think that that their moment of conversion is kind of the end of it, and it's like, okay, now I'm saved, I'm in, I can go back to my old life, and, and it doesn't work that way. Um, but I talked about intentionality. So what I do is in my discipleship meetings, um, I open with, with about 10 or 15 minutes of prayer. Um, I encourage my disciples to to spend some time during the week thinking about what they're going to pray for so that when we pray in our discipleship meeting, you don't have to automatically think about a lot of stuff or you don't, we don't have to spend half an hour, you know, determining what our, our prayer requests are going to be. So we open Mm -hmm. with 10 or 15 minutes of prayer. And most of that for me is acknowledging God for who he is, um, acknowledging his power and his might, his sovereignty, but also his grace and his kindness his compassion, um, mm. and, and just the, the very goodness that, that he is. Um, and yeah. then asking him and then asking him to, to lead our discussion, lead our time, open our eyes and, and to soften our hearts that, that this time together time in which he reveals himself to us, we're able to receive it and, and that our relationship with him will be deepened. And then uh, from there, I go into into Bible study, and um, it it depends on the level of the disciple I'm working with. Um, but I I what I tend to do in my Bible study is tend to teach people how to read and study in context. You mm-hmm. don't have to be a seminary you don't have to be a seminary graduate. You don't have to be you know you don't have to spend thousands of hours becoming a Bible scholar to do this. But Ephesians yeah. is one of my one of my favorite books. And what mm-hmm. Paul says in chapters two and three ha- mm-hmm. have a, a whole lot to do with what he says in chapters four, five, and six. And and so yeah. I encourage people to learn how to follow the flow of thought as to what the author is saying. Why yeah. is this here? How do, how does this relate to what happened before? And mm-hmm. It takes some time to build that, but invariably, when I work with a disciple, there is a moment where they will come to me during our Bible study time, and they'll say, i got to share with you what I saw last night as I was studying. I, I have goosebumps now as I think about the, the number of times that that's happened, where they're beginning to put pieces together because God's working in their heart, and God's opening yeah. their eyes, and the Holy Spirit is, is, is helping them. And and it, it's a, a marvelous marvelous thing. Okay. Amen. So after Bible after Bible study, um, I usually um, touch on uh, accountability, and uh, mm. d- again, depending on where the disciple is, and and we talk, uh, spend some time talking about how their week was, what's you know what's going on, what's going well, what what maybe needs some some attention, what needs uh, some help. And then we close in a in a little longer um, session of prayer, probably fifteen twenty minutes, in in which uh, any of the issues that we surfaced 
um, during either accountability or Bible study or things that are going on. We address those, and uh, and we we ask God. Um, ultimately, um, we ask God, Lord, what would you have me do? And that's the question that I think we need to be asking God. Lord, yeah, yeah. what would you what would you have me do? Um, the third great awakening was started in New York City, and a church in Lower Manhattan um, hired a guy to go visit church congregant members. Okay, and that was his job. And as he was mm-hmm. praying one day, he asked God that question: "Lord, what would you have me do?" And he said, "Well, my house should be a house of prayer. I want you to open it up to prayer." So every day at lunch, he opened up the church for prayer. First day, I think one guy showed up. Um, next couple of days, there were a couple of people. Inside of three months, he had thousands of people. They had to mm. move the prayer group. They had to move it to to a an auditorium in Lower Manhattan because they had thousands of people taking their yeah. lunch hour and and coming to pray. And and it's mm. not that this guy did something special. It's it's a movement of God, but it is born out of a humility. Lord, what would you have me do? Yeah. Lord, what do you want me to yeah. do? Mm. And and I think that that God God works with humble, contrite hearts, and uh, yeah. oh. um, and that that ultimately is what I try to teach in prayer. I teach I try to to teach humility, and then I also try to teach um, openness and transparency. When we hide yeah. what's really when we hide what's really going on in our lives from God, first of all, he knows it already. It, it's not like we're keeping something from him because God knows everything, okay? Yes, but we're not being honest with him. And and I think that that is a natural blockage um, to deep relationship with God. You know, I'm a 57-year-old guy, okay? I, I've seen some horrific things in my life, gone through a ton of stuff, Um Two weeks from today, I'm having a knee replacement surgery, okay? And and when I went to the consult appointment with my surgeon, I was scared. And and that was my prayer. It's like, God, I'm scared. I, I don't know what knee surgery is going to be about. I, I, um, I'm certainly looking forward to the pain being gone. But, you know, the idea of somebody slicing open my knee and putting a whole bunch of hardware in there, Lord, I, I'm scared. Forgive me for, for my, my fearfulness, um, but I'm asking you um, to, to please help me overcome that. And he did. And it's a yeah. work, it's a work of, of marvelous compassion in my life. Now, that's just a small example. There are big things. You know, I was scared writing a book. My wife and I live paycheck to paycheck. Okay? We're, we're not wealthy people. Um, I have five kids that are going to be, all of them are going to be in college this fall. So we're we're tight financially. God telling me to quit my job and and write a book. Um, I was scared, and and I I came to him and said, God, I'm terrified of this. I really don't want to become homeless. I I don't want to you know, I I don't want to 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 have to you know live on on the street in a cardboard box. And and I was you know being exaggerating for that, but um, and God said. Mm-hmm. Very, very, very clearly, he said, listen, I got you. And the things he did in taking care of me financially while I wrote the book were amazing. I would go to the mailbox and there'd be $150 in cash in, in, in an envelope. No no letter, no note, no nothing. You know, wow. It's, 
And and it's <laughs> That's it is. I, I mean, I, I absolutely. And and he took care of me. And when when I wrote the first book, then I wrote the second, and then he told me, he said, okay, it's time for you to go back to work now. And and mm. uh, got me a got me a job, and uh, I enjoy it. Um, I don't know for how long. I don't know what his future plans are for me, but I'm content where I'm at. And I, I think the important thing for for your listeners, my mm-hmm. being content or, or or my having my needs met dur- during the writing of the book or, or the, the success I've had discipling is not about me. It's, yeah. it's not about yeah. me in the least. It's about me literally being not much more than, than a conduit or a pipe through which God's grace and mercy and compassion and power and might through which they flow. It's not as yeah. if I'm discipling people because God said, man, you, you got some real discipleship skills. We need you in the kingdom. No, mm-hmm. God don't need me. I'm a moron. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> well. so it's it's all, all about, all about his, his power and, and his sovereignty. And um, I'm, I'm along for the ride. And, and this Christian life is the most marvelous life I could ever imagine. Yes, it is. Well, you, you know, it's just a matter of fact, a friend of mine and myself, we were talking yesterday and we were saying that, you know, it's not about us. And that's, that's um, where self sometimes get in the way is that uh, at, the point, at any point where we think that it's about us, then, then we're off base. It's all about God, what he wants in it. And uh, all we have to do is take that understanding of what he wants us to do, not what we want to do or what we think it should be. We should, should align with his will. And, and like you said, seeking him greatly. Uh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Th- th- there's, there's a point that, that I'll, I'll make. And and it has to do with, with Bible reading. I think that, mm-hmm. that part of our struggle in developing this relationship with God is that we haven't taken in enough of the Word of God, that we yeah. have a proper understanding. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to issue a challenge for some of your, some of your listeners. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm going to preface it by saying it's not for everybody. So if, you know, I, I don't want you to feel that, boy, if you're going to call yourself a mature Christian, you have to do this. No, it's not that at all. I do this constantly with, with almost everybody I meet because it radically changed um, my spiritual walk and my relationship with God. Um, mm-hmm. almost, all, almost all of us have a smartphone, okay? Um, there is an app that's free. Um, it's called the U version, Y-O-U version. That's the name of it, okay? And it has about 50 different Bible translations on it. Um, but in there, if you root around, you will find that there is a Bible reading program called Read the Bible in 90 Days, okay? And, and I recognize for people that may not be taking in much Scripture, reading, you know, 13, 14 chapters a day, is a huge step up. And so I don't want to dishearten anybody by making them think you have to do this. But the first time I stumbled on it, and and I'm a good reader. I've got a master's degree in New Testament. So I've read. And the first time I saw it, I said, there's no way you can read the Bible in 90 days. And I did it. And then I did it again. And then I did it again. For five years, I read the Bible four times cover to cover a year. 
and and when you begin to take scripture um the the very thoughts and and intents of God when you take the word of God in in 12 13 14 chapter sections you begin mm-hmm. to see bigger picture ideas that a chapter a day just just doesn't give you and and each time i read it i notice a little bit more and i see something um i figure i've read the bible cover to cover probably I don't know, 25 times, mm-hmm. and I'm 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 in a right reading plan now through through the Bible in 90 days, and I saw something in uh, in uh, Exodus that I'd never seen before, and and I laughed out loud and in, in prayerful conversation with God, I said, God, how in the world is it that I've read this 25 times and I've never seen this before? Well, because God is infinite and God is divine. And and he is everything, and I'm very finite and very limited, and uh, you know I can only mm-hmm. handle so much of of God's revelation at a time, or my head would explode. So so it, 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 if any of your listeners want to take that on, you can go almost anywhere on on the internet. Just Google ninety day read through the Bible plan, and it'll give you give you what you need to do. Um, it, it will dramatically change your life. I've had about probably 15 or 20 people that have taken me up on that. And universally, they come back to me. And there's stuff that they never saw before. And there's aspects of who God is that they've never, never encountered. And, mm. and I think um, that, that really goes to, to the heart. Taking in Scripture regularly. It doesn't, doesn't have to be 15 chapters a day. You, whatever, whatever it is. But if you're in the Word of God regularly and you're praying with a humble heart and you're transparent and open before God in your prayers, then for the most part, the rest of it will take care of itself. You will come across in scripture, those passages that tell you that you need to be spending time with other believers and you need to be helping other believers and you need to be serving both other believers and you need to be serving um, the, the unbelievers that are out there. Um, yeah. As you pray, as you pray with with a, a humble, contrite heart, and and you're asking God, God, what would you have me do? Then the the other things are, are going to come. Well, I want you to, I want you to to either disciple somebody, or I want you to teach, or I want you to to make friends with the 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 the, the guy that sits by himself every Sunday. You know, doesn't have any any friends or family. I want you to be a friend to him, and God will direct yeah. you. Yes, absolutely. And, and that, that's ultimately what all of this is about, is kind of getting us out of the way and allowing God to live life through us. Yes, yes. I, I totally agree. Um, we do have a caller on the line, but before we open up the line for the caller to ask any questions or share your insights or ask for, ask for prayer, um, whatever you're calling for, we, we welcome you. Please. Feel free to announce your name and where you're calling from. If you choose to remain anonymous, feel free to do so. Uh, before I open up the lines, though, I would like to ask Peter, please share with the audience where they can uh, gain access to your book or if they want to uh, contact you for discipleship. Uh, please share with the audience how they can do that at this time. Absolutely. Uh, the book is available both at Amazon.com, and if you just type in the, uh, if you type in discipleship, living out the mandate of God, it will pop up. 
and there is both a heart, uh, a, a physical copy of the book that I'm, Amazon will send you, um, and far less expensively, um, there is also kind of a Kindle or an electronic version of it. So you don't need to make a, a big investment uh, to get a hold of that. Um, it's also available at barnesandnoble.com. Um, in addition, um, I have a website, and um, it is not updated as frequently as I'd like uh, because I, I do work full-time, um, but it is thediscipleshipmandate.com. And there's a link to the book there on that pages, and there's um, I have an email address, which is the same. It's thediscipleshipmandate.com at gmail.com. And I encourage anybody, if you just need encouragement, if you just need a, a, a pat on the back and, and an attaboy, um, I, I'm very, very willing to assist. If you have questions or thoughts or, or concerns or whatever, I, I encourage people email me and, uh, and I will get back to you uh, as quickly as I can. And um, if you want to be discipled, um, normally I do my discipleship in person. But there are things that I can help people with, even across many, many miles, using both the phone and uh, and either email or some type of electronic correspondence. And, uh, you know, I, I, I would be very honored if, if I can be used by God to help anybody. Awesome. Um, so, caller, the line is open. If you have any comments, feel free to share at this time. Hello. Hello. Hi. To the Hi. Good. Hi. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Hi. Yes, my name is Zihima. Yes, please go ahead. Yes, um, I, I, I have a question for the caller. And well, it's a statement and a question. So my, my okay. question is this, number one. How did you find the the discipline to finish the book? You know, sometimes, uh, you know, we, when God is giving us instructions, we're to be obedient and just do it. But sometimes we, you know, have busy lives and, or sometimes we'll just procrastinate. Or as you mentioned that you were fearful. So how did you find the discipline or the strategy to um, finish the book? And uh, my statement uh, is, my statement that I have for you is, um, well, actually, the question: How do we continue to just grow in our faith when God is giving us an assignment to do? Okay, th- those are both excellent questions, and and I thank you very much for for calling in and and uh, and interacting with us. Uh, I very much appreciate that. Um, it's interesting because discipline is not my strong suit. Um, I I have a tendency to be scatterbrained and and I have a tendency to kind of be all over the map at times. And one of the things that that absolutely helped me and really kept me on track was consistently reminding myself that this wasn't my book. This is God's book. And and as a result, um I I have started other projects in the past that maybe didn't didn't get completed or I struggled to complete um, this one um, because it was a very specific task of God. Um, I was very, very motivated to see it through to the end. 
and and God was gracious in that, in that he took away the pressures of having to go to work every day. Um, I wrote the book in about seven weeks. Um, I wrote 10 hours a day, six days a week. I mean, I was immersed in that. But But another huge help is that I asked God specifically for his strength and, and for, for that discipline to finish this. And my prayer every day, and it has been that way ever since, is, God, I just want this to be what you want. So if there are things where I'm off base or if there are things that, that I'm not quite fully understanding, uh, please, Lord, um, um, you know, work in my heart, work in my life, that, that this book would be exactly what you want. And, and through those, I got incredible, incredible answers. Um, I'll encourage you with this. First-time authors, okay, who don't have a platform. I'm, I'm just a guy. I live in West Michigan. I'm just a guy, okay? I, I have some pastoral experience, but I've got a couple of hundred Facebook followers and like 50 Twitter followers, okay? I'm not a guy that, that has this huge um, platform of people following me, okay? And um, so uh, the encouragement is first-time authors without a platform generally don't get published. And I sent my manuscript to one traditional publisher, and six days later they offered me a contract. And, and my, point in that, my point in that is not that, boy, what a great author I am, because I'm not. If you read the book, you'll see. I mean, it's well-written, but it's, you know, I'm not Ernest Hemingway or anything like that. Um, but when we do what God's called us to do, um, it's not just that things will always work out well, because generally they will, but sometimes God brings us through storms. When, when we're doing what God's called us to do, we don't have to worry about the results. Yeah. And, yeah. and I'm, sure that, I'm sure that my publisher would jump out of his skin. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter to me how much this book sells. If one person reads this book and helps another person by discipling them, and then that second disciple ends up by maturing into faith and, and helps somebody else, then I'm going to tell you the book has been a raging success. And, Absolutely. And there's that. Okay. And um, your, your second question, um, can you, do you remember? Can you repeat it again for me? Because I talked too long. And um, we, have one, we actually have one minute, and then we'll be going off the air. So I want to thank everyone for listening in. Um, caller, please go to thediscipleshipmandate.com, thediscipleshipmandate.com, and you can be able to interact with our guest. And I'm sure that he will be glad to also offer the discipleship uh, services uh, that he have to offer um, in Amen. the heart of God. So we thank you for listening in to the Kingdom Hour. We um, pray that the Lord will be with you and that he will empower and equip you for the days to come. And that is in Jesus Christ's mighty name. God bless you all. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dr. Ganny. Welcome.